Hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Perry alongside Akshay Wadwani and Jeff Azahauser. Jesse is unable to make it today. Um, a lot has changed in the past several days. The, the world looks like a, a very different place. And while, you know, we, we like to stick to football normally, um, there are some things that you know, you just can't avoid. And when you look at the horrific situation in Ukraine, Russia's attacks on a foreign democracy sovereignty, that has ramifications in every aspect of life. And that includes football. Um, so to start off, I think the, the most important thing to note um, when it comes to football, at least at one point, 70, according to the New York Times, and this was on Saturday, 70 New York, uh, 70 footballers um, in, in the Ukrainian league were stranded. According to the Daily Mail, 14 Brazilian players have escaped the Ukraine as of, let's see the date, um, as of today, as of February 28th. Um, but lots of footballers are are still, still remain trapped there. Um, Jeff, you know, we, we talked a lot about Sheriff uh, and we had a lot of fun bantering about them. Their manager, who's of Ukrainian origin, has returned to Ukraine to join the forces. Um, this is months after he led his side to a 2-1 win at Real Madrid. So as for as for FIFA's response, um, you know, in, initially their, their first move was to have the Russian national team and Russian clubs play in neutral venues. Um, and then it was, they, they said that the, the Russian national team could play, but no anthem, um, no flag. And now as of today, as of February 28th, they have just outright banned or suspended um, the Russian national team, the, the Russian clubs from, from the competitions. Uh, UEFA has done the same. Um you know, this is this is after Poland had released a statement to FIFA saying that they would refuse to play. Uh, Czech Republic had joined them. Sweden had joined them. But now, and importantly, those were the teams in Russia's group. Those were the next teams on the qualifying schedule for Russia in terms of qualifying for the World Cup in Qatar. Exactly. So we, you know, we don't really know how how FIFA will handle it. Um, I think that's sort of secondary in, in a situation like this. Um, I. Don't think any of us can remember any time where when a nation has been suspended from competing in in a footballing tournament. It's not just you know it's not just football. It's I believe the I might be wrong about this, but I believe the Olympics uh, the Olympic committee um, was taking steps to to ban Russia from from competing. I think I believe Eurovision uh, has also banned Russian artists. So you know we're we're seeing this in all sorts of entertainment. I mean, this is no different. I expect very little to actually be done from an an Olympic, uh, the IOC, the International uh, Olympic Committee, to uh, who has like consistently given Russia slaps on the wrist for doping scandals and has generally been seen as being in in the Russia's pocket when it comes to how they how they act. They're they're playing under the uh, oh, Olympic athletes of Russia, but. Uh, their their athletes get away with with doping and still being able to compete, and it. I mean, we we've seen pictures of of Putin with uh, Infantino and holding the World Cup trophy and just blatant acts that show that that he is 
Uh, he's a is a powerful man when it comes to those organizations and his influence with them, and they're going to have to do some some pretty drastic things to to properly separate themselves from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it's on the topic of FIFA, right? It's it's not as if we didn't know that he was a shitty person and just a horrible human being with zero moral compass before five days ago. I mean, it's not like in 2018, it wasn't clear that he had his political opponents killed, um, that he had them jailed. And yet, you know, the fact that FIFA chooses to buddy up or chose to buddy up with him uh, is, you know, just speaks to the, the wider you can call it corruption in the game, but they're just disregard for, for ethics. Um, oh, they, I mean, the only difference now is the majority is against it. If the majority of FIFA's uh, publics are against it, which they are now, then they have to do something uh, from a PR perspective. Um, so, you know, they, they still know what side their bread is buttered on. It's the side that's bread, the, that's buttered for the majority of their, their viewer base and the people that are signing their checks. And if the majority of those people, as they are now, are against this war, as pretty much the entirety of the international community outside Russia is, then, yeah, of course, they're going to now they're going to take steps because they don't want to lose the majority of their public. So it's it's not like there's any moral nobody's feeling any moral obligation here there's just an obligation to publics and an obligation to oh, keep financial yeah. interests in well, no, i mean i'm not sorry i don't mean to come across yeah. as like calling fifa moral we all know that fifa's totally no, no. moral and will like i mean literally yeah, yeah. i mean that uh, my my point is just like yeah. state, as we're gonna see later this year um you know yeah. this is if you look at cutter the the stadiums are being built using slave labor um in brazil you know people died uh building the stadiums there the brazilian population did not want that so you know again this is it's it's reactionary from fifa but there there needs to be and this has been the case um this is just the latest and you know most possibly the most severe example in a while but this is it's been the case where fifa needs to reevaluate who it does business with how it no it doesn't no it doesn't not even a little bit because they're not going to purry you're you're trying to instill morals onto a an incredibly corrupt organization that just frankly doesn't give a shit the most football is the most corrupt sport in the world and that's never going to change and And that reflects in the governing bodies that run it and how it's run as a sport and it's never going to change because it, it you know similar to a lot of the systems that we have in today's world it's too big to fail the only chance it has at legitimately changing has to do with the fact that FIFA just showed it's willing to concede. It just conceded to Poland, the Czech Republic, and Sweden's claims that they just will not play Russia. And I'm sure a a general UEFA statement at large that if Russia made the World Cups, the teams wouldn't face it anyways. And so FIFA's probably staring down either everyone forfeits against Russia and Russia wins the World Cup or kicking Russia out of the tournament. And they ended up making the decision to kick Russia out of the tournament because... You can't just award a team a World Cup for declaring war. And if the players and, and the, the individual footballing organizations that are the real powerhouses when it comes to money and driving revenue want to stand up and do something, they've been shown that there's a crack in the door that maybe with enough monetary pressure, the players and some of the national football associations can actually make a difference. But it needs to be a... a wide-scale boycott of this World Cup. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I imagine if the highest-profile players just came, I mean, you know, came out and said that they're just not going to play. And obviously, you know... And all of them would have 
if they cared about their reputations and if they knew what the online climate is like and what the the new climate of, of fandom and of social media is like, then they would have brains and they'd say, yeah, we're not playing because they Are know you? that their reputations would be well, affected. I mean, but it's also every, every player dreams of playing in the World's Cup as well. So there's that. Yes. You know? But yeah. every player also cares about their reputation and how they appear to their fans, right? And Akshay, you know, Akshay does that mean that you now hate every single player who hasn't said they won't play in, in Qatar? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Then, then saying... it doesn't affect their reputation. It doesn't affect their reputation unless you feel negatively about them for playing in it. I would feel negatively about it, but I wouldn't hate them. So, so You're for every to player, a topic. All I'm saying is, players would have come out because players know that there would be backlash if they didn't boycott the World Cup if Russia was still in it and if Russia was allowed uh, to compete. You oh, you just mean if Russia was allowed? To, I mean, I'm meaning right now, overall, where the World Cup being take, where the World Cup is taking place, can be boycotted by the players, and, and they're not because there's general fan sentiment that we want to see a World Cup as much as we are yes. all talking. And that's all- why I'm saying there's no morality going on here. There's no concessions. I would, I think concession is the wrong word. I think it's just majority rules. If the majority of the world is against Russia's oh, invasion, it's not the majority of the world. It's not the majority of the world. It's the majority of the money. That's okay. a very well, important. It's also difference. the majority of the world, but yes, it's the majority. It's, it's of the not world. fine. I, I want to put it that way. I promise <laughs> you, you know, if if four and a half billion people want something, but you know, a couple of hundred people with a couple of bajillions of dollars in sponsorship want something else. I know who FIFA's going to side with. Fine. Yeah. I mean, but it, I mean, factually, it is also the majority of the world that's against. But yes, you're right. It's the majority of the money. That's yes. That's an important distinction. That's that's where FIFA will decide. But let's let's move on past that to some of the some of the more heartwarming and inspiring moments that we got to see on the field, starting with um, Man City's uh Zinchenko and and Everton's uh, oh, what's it Molinenko uh, in tears embracing a couple of Ukrainian nationals on the pitch before the game an incredible moment standing ovation for both of them during warmups and just a, difficult yeah. to even go out and try and do your job on a, on a scale of that size when you're under that kind of magnifying glass given what you know is going on at home. There, there was um, a similar. Uh, there was a Benfica player as well. I need to, I need to pull up his name. Um, but he, he also received a, a standing ovation uh, when he came on um, in, a, in a league in a Portuguese league game against Vitoria. This is Roman Yar Yamchuk. Um, again, Yarmchuk, yeah, Yarmchuk, yeah. Uh, so. You know, again, the the footballing community, and I mean, well, footballing fans, I should say, and you know, a good amount of players um, are are definitely standing by and, and have have in some capacity um, spoken out about this. Now, there there is something that I do think we should get to, and that is that Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich uh, he handed over stewardship to trustees at the club. Um, What's interesting? Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's he's stated that he's transferred ownership to the trustees. I don't know if ownership stewardship. He's still okay. I don't know if the I don't know if the the high ranking supporters, whatever the group that he's handing it off to, have accepted it. I I'm not sure that they're saying yes. We'll take it. Well, there's that. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, I guess there's that, but I mean, that's just a whole nother issue. (laughs) No, I I think it's, I think it's a statement. uh, It's possibly a statement that, um, 
that like I don't know if if Roman has the power to hand it hand uh, stewardship and care of Chelsea to their their charitable foundation unilaterally. If they don't want it, it'll kind of put the ball back into uh, you know the Roman Abramovich's and and I guess um, English laws court as to what they do with the club. It's a messy situation, regardless. Mess, yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, and, I, I, and Chelsea is already a mess of a football club, so you know it's. It's a mess either way. The point is, I, I, I think, think at, at a time like this, you know, it's important like stick as closely to the truth um, as possible. What, what this appears to be is an attempt to protect his assets and to at least distance himself um, from the club. Uh, Roman. I, I, I do think it's unlikely, given the current political climate at Chelsea and the feelings towards Abramovich, that the the owner that that group would deny that offer to take over stewardship. That would be kind of strange to me. But I, I see your point. You know, they haven't officially accepted. So there's, do you, you know, think that this is the beginning of the end of Roman Abramovich at Chelsea? It, 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 it could be. Looks, to me, it looks that way. Who's, who's going to buy out his $2 million in debt? He created a shell company. He created a shell company to loan Chelsea over two mil, two sorry, two billion dollars in debt. I was going to say two million is nothing. Two million is wrong. (laughs) So he he loaned Chelsea over two billion dollars. And in order to remove him as an owner, unless England want to do something like freezing assets and seizing assets are two very different things from a from a legal perspective. Freezing Mm -hmm. Roman's assets very easy to do. Seizing that two billion very difficult while still keeping Chelsea Football Club, the business entity, a thing. So either they dissolve it and recreate it with exactly the same players, um, which opens up a host of weird legal problems that I and you guys are are not experts enough to to understand or go into. But there's just there's some interesting problems because he still he's still owed two billion dollars but from the club and we'll see how that pans out. And and again I I do I yeah. Oh go ahead Alex. No, I mean I'm gonna say like you know this is such a rapidly evolving situation that hinges a lot on what's like the actual conflict between Russia and the Ukraine, the war there. Um, and that can change very quickly. The responses can change equally as quickly. So, you know, but, but it's, I mean, we're recording on Monday night by Tuesday morning. I mean, when this comes out, who knows what's going to happen. I do, I do, I do wonder if this coupled with what happened during COVID, uh, where the Premier League made the decision that, you know, uh, lower tier clubs outside the Premier League needed were, were granted uh, official financial aid. Um, I don't remember the exact details of the package we discussed in an earlier episode, but um, I wonder if that combined with what Abramovich is now doing in this whole situation that's going on with Chelsea with the incredible amount of debt they're in because of what Abramovich has done financially with the club. Uh, I wonder if those two things in combination uh, will legitimately encourage the the Premier League to consider uh, whether they want to change the way clubs are owned and managed moving forward. I almost wonder uh, if the Premier League would benefit, especially parity-wise, from moving to a a model that's more similar to the way the Bundesliga uh, is run. It's never going to happen. It like, actually, you you can be you can be as idealistic as you want. It. I I find it hard to believe that the Premier League's like, yes, what we want is to take three steps back from a global marketing perspective and a global money infusion perspective and sell half the clubs to, to local fans. It's just, it's... Inc- fans like, un- support that? But sure, the fans would support it, but the Premier League's relevance on a global stage would disappear. It would uh, like... Why? Why would it disappear? Because the part of the reason it's so incredibly prominent is the amount of extra money that goes into it. 
the the ability of what you mean of, the sponsorships and and things like that i don't just mean the sponsorships i mean the investments by the the team's uh owners lots of the premier league clubs are boosted by these incredible uh investments and in, and in injections of cash from their different ownership groups that are you know billionaires from all around the world and the moment you go back to 50 plus one you run a very real risk of turning the league into a haves and have nots similar to Germany, where if you can't suddenly, you know, if the bottom teams can't afford to pay their players, you get, maybe it's not one elite team because just the nature of English football is that you're probably going to have a handful, but the teams that can play ball at the top and the teams that can't. And unfortunately it's just the premier league is, is stared at a crossroads a long time ago and shows money and global popularity and, um, you know, the ability to bring in, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar players and, and everything that, that that presents itself. And the downside was they've surrendered any chance of going back to the 50 plus one style. That, that, that's also, um, you know, and, and again, this, this might not only impact Chelsea because they're not the only club with sort of oligarchs who are owned by yeah. oligarchs. I mean, they are the only club that's, that, to... that's that, that, that horrifically in debt, though. <laughs> that, yeah. There, that... I'm pretty sure City are, are pretty horrifically in debt to, uh, to their ownership. Um, I wouldn't be sure surprised if, if in the next decade, Newcastle goes something close to five or six billion dollars in debt to their ownership. Um, the, like the, these kind of injections exist. And, you know, for all the love that, um, the, you know, the stop war or no war Ukraine uh, shirts that the, the Man City players came out in. Uh, Abu Dhabi abstained from their vote, abstained from their vote on the UN Security Council as to whether or not to condemn the war. So it's not like, you know, that suddenly disappears just because the players wore a shirt. I mean, all those, those statements are nice, but that's exactly, that's all they are is niceties. You know, I, it's not to say that those aren't awesome and in goodwill. And, you know, the players probably have nothing to do with the politics, most of them, but you know, you're right. It's, it's just gestures. It doesn't, it's not going to change anything. It doesn't really affect anything. Yeah. The, the things that make a big difference are UEFA ending their sponsorship deal with Gazprom, which by the way, doesn't sell to people like you and I aren't like being advertised upon. Uh, it's <laughs> it's Russia's Russia's oil and natural gas company. Ah, okay, so that's pretty huge, though. So I mean, it is Shalk as well. United, um, I think they they cut and, off ties with their, or at least they yep. ended their agreement with their what it was like the air. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a uh, national airline sponsorship. Yeah. That's a it's a Russian uh, airline, and United have stopped flying with them and have ended their sponsorship deal. Um, yeah, Shalka's giving the money up. But the, the weird thing about Gazprom as a sponsor of UEFA and FIFA and, and a huge sponsor of the champions league um, is that that sponsorship money is ex- almost exclusively Russia buying whatever it wants, because it's a huge amount of sponsorship money for something that doesn't need to sponsor per. It'd be like, you know, if Con Edison was, was running, you know, ads alongside Coca-Cola, who else are you going to go to that? Yeah. They're the only shop in town. Russia's the only shop in town right now. And as we get, you know, significant climate change progress and we move towards more, uh, we move away from natural gas and oil dependency, Russia's power disappears, but they still have the money to spend, you know, tens or hundreds of million dollars on advertisements, despite being a relative monopoly. Like that's, that's just, it's a power play. It's, it's buying influence. And even if that stops, you know, it's, it's progress. Mm-hmm. Well, are we? I think maybe we're ready to to move on to some of the events on the pitch. 
this weekend. Um, I will say the the last thing I want to shout out is um, the very first game of the the weekend, the United Watford game. Um, I think Ragnick has like a you know a six or an eight year old at home. Whoever designed that little piece poster, um, because everyone else came out with like you know well crafted the the kits people got involved in making t-shirts or like getting them Russian flags to put around the players. Um, and, and Rangnick brought in an art project that said peace in six languages and a big peace sign. And it, it felt very impromptu and, and a little, honestly, a little more, um, a little more passionate because it wasn't, it wasn't corporate, it, you know, marketing wasn't involved in any way. It was just like, Oh, I wrote peace, a bunch of signs. It was authentic. And it was from the heart. It wasn't, and, and it a, wasn't an attempt to curry favor or to, you know, uh, yeah. to, 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 to virtue signal. And, yeah. and as the, as Rangnick's holding up his poster and the United players are surrounding it uh, and some of the pre-match pictures are being taken, uh, you know, props to Bruno for signaling over to the Watford players to get in with them on the picture and, and kind of show a little solidarity before the game. A uh, couple of nice moments before you know, um, great transition United uh, turned into the limpest uh, pacifist. Like they truly chose peace. They chose peace. They had they had 15 different opportunities to to shoot the the execution to shot. The, the Watford goal. Dude, dude, Wat, Watford was on this its is probably knees. Probably really poor taste, by the way. This but. is incredibly poor taste, but but Watford was on its knees. Uh, United had the pistol to the back of its head and missed 15 different times. It was yeah. like it we turned into with, Brighton for a match. It was truly, wonderful. Ronaldo hit the post on like the sixth minute. Bruno hit Ronaldo. Um, oh was, god <laughs> the, the our own players blocking shots was the end of me i, I was just like oh god this is the stage we've reached <laughs> Al- alanga should have scored on a beautiful team move that ended up with him i mean how he misses on the near post if he doesn't miss on the near post i also hit on a big bet i had parlayed united and alanga to score um and whew, that that miss really stung because he was like subbed off a few minutes later but well you know what the best part of this is um, because United drop points, that means Tottenham, if they win their two games in hand. Uh, Tottenham's two games in hand, uh, again, we can talk about this all we want. But like, I love the games in hand argument. It's just- every, everyone with the games in hand is talking like, like I'm pretty sure Arsenal's two games in hand are Tottenham and Chelsea. How many points are they really getting? Like, Dude, I don't know. I don't care if they flew well, United, City. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Nobody, nobody who loses to Burnley can be trusted. I'm sorry. You, you, yeah. You guys- you know who United two games are next two games are against? Oh, I know what we have next. We have yeah. we have City and then, no, 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 no. We have thought, City, Tottenham, yeah. Atleti, Liverpool. Those oh, are our next four games. Yeah. Oh, God. So I mean, uh, Ranić about to either prove himself as a manager or not prove himself. This is, if we sh- if we shoot like we did against Watford, good luck. That was that was like he might have a legitimate aneurysm. This is where United season is defined. And I mean, not just United, uh, you know, Arsenal, I believe. I mean, this is where every European football challenger in the Premier League and otherwise their season is defined. Yeah, so February this, and March. This, this, this is, is where you. United have much tougher yeah. pictures now. I mean, Arsenal yeah, yeah. don't really have anyone besides Liverpool in March. Yeah, I mean, their only Are, tough team in March is For now. For now, Arsenal have no FA Cup. Obviously, the League Cup is over. They have no European football, which means that they will get mid-league games scheduled against Chelsea and against Tottenham. And I believe they didn't play this weekend because their game against Liverpool got postponed for a League Cup final. Yeah. So, um, if their three 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 games in hand will be midweek games, midweek games against three of the hardest teams to play in England. Uh, those being Chelsea, Tottenham, and Liverpool are their three games in hand. 
and they were going to have to play them in the next month and a half or so, all midweek games because we have a very busy schedule. Uh, They have to sneak them in around Chelsea's Champions League fixtures and Liverpool's Champions League fixtures and everyone's FA Cup fixtures. United also have tough fixtures. That's the point. United have tough fixtures. Arsenal have tough fixtures. So, but I guess it just could you say that it just bounces out? I mean. It's a toss-up. It's been a toss-up all season, and I don't think the the latest round of fixtures for any of these teams changes that. I think Tottenham has the the easiest schedule on paper, but I mean, you know, they're still playing teams uh, that you know in the near future. They're still playing West Ham and Newcastle. Those are both teams that are on the rise. West Ham's never an easy opponent. I don't care that they're not in form, and Newcastle are the the most informed team of the new year. So. Uh, yeah. It's not like it's not like anybody's having a, a guaranteed easy time. I mean, here's win over Wolves though was, was huge. Um, I, I it think it was a huge for, win. Yeah, for, for them, and then yeah. you know it's a bad loss for Wolves because they obviously lost to Arsenal. I mean, their their Champions League hopes are very very. Oh, strong. they're very truly alive. Uh, they were alive even when they weren't in form. But uh, Wolves still have a chance too. Don't get me wrong. No, here's I'm, here's I'm, what I'll I'm say. Wolves is, I'm talking about Wolves' Champions League chances. Oh, okay, okay. Oh no. I thought you were talking about no. That, that you would you would think is over. Um, you know. No, I don't. I yeah. think especially not this season with the way this season has gone. I don't think anybody's out of the count yet. Here's what I think I'll say about this this huge chunk of games coming up in March is that the rubber is going to meet the road, and I think every team all all three of the teams we mentioned because realistically it's a three horse race. It's Tottenham, Arsenal, and United. Um. To, to get that fourth spot and, and uh, possibly yeah, West Ham's very much in that race. No, West Ham are not in that race. Yeah, dude. Okay. Come on. You got to throw some respect the hammers way. Like, come on. I'll throw some respect. The hammers way. They'll United absolutely right You're telling me they're not in that race. They're two points behind United. Yeah. I, yeah, they'll, two fi- points they'll find a way score against Watford United. They'll, they'll find a way to slip into a Europa league spot at best. I I'm just being a realist about at best really. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm just being a realist. And, and more importantly, Chelsea have been slipping in the league recently. That gap is not that big. That's that is true. Chelsea uh, are three points above United. I don't know if this is. I don't know if we should discuss this at this point in this they, episode. They but Chelsea do we think that? Just, just do we saying. think that? Um, do we think Tuchel's job is under threat at this point? No, no, not not yet. No. But if they continue to slip in the league, it, listen. Yeah. If they get knocked out of the Champions League and they continue to slip in the league. And, you know, they, they have one foot into the next round of the Champions League. So that will buy him some goodwill. But yeah. I mean, I'm, realistically, their best chance to win silverware was the EFL Cup. I mean, you got to be honest. Yeah. I don't think anybody fancies them to win the Champions League this year. No, but the FA Cup, I think, is possible. The, the FA, FA Cup's possible. Who are they? They're in the final of that, right? No, I'm sorry. Gonna, we're in like the just, fourth. Oh, we're yeah, in like the fourth. Deep breaths. We're in the round before the quarterfinal. Uh, yeah, never mind. Never mind. All right, yeah, but I mean, they're still, you know. FA Cup is a toss-up between anyone. Yeah, I mean, so I mean the thing is, I don't see. I, I think the only way Tuchel's job would really be under threat is if you see them getting dragged down into a like you know scrap for the Champions League. Which imagine I, if I, I don't see happening. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Arsenal beat them. Imagine if Arsenal beat them. Imagine I, if Tottenham beat them. Arsenal they, could beat them. They have some dangerous yeah. games coming up. Yeah. Honestly, though, I kind of expect that we're going to come through March and we're going to come out of it with pretty much the same spot where I like Arsenal will catch up, but everyone, I think everyone's going to drop some games. I think everyone's going to win some big games. It's going to be an incredible, like everyone has an opportunity to go win four or five on, you know, on the trot and take a dominant control. But I don't think anyone's going to, because it's the premier league. The writers have already written this shit's going to stay close till the end. They they wrote that down in the script a long time ago. And we're going to get some funny moments that lead us to like mid April. We're all the same place. And we get some lightning fixtures. Arsenal United, April 23rd. That's, yeah. 
We're not okay. Uh, first of all, the Derby is coming up before that. Can we talk, oh, <laughs> let's uh, talk about try. that one? I'll try. <laughs> Honestly, like that. My point is that those March games are going to come and go, and and they're going to be huge points. But everyone's going to kind of level out in terms of how they perform. The sure. the only oh, so thing Premier League fixtures we talked about, but we should talk about the League Cup first because yes, let's let's talk about final. that League Cup final. Um, Akshay has some very terrible takes coming up. He's got some uh, boomer takes, uh, but first, first, I mean, I thought Saturday morning, I thought there's no way anyone is going to be more embarrassed about their finishing than United. And then Liverpool and Chelsea played and they combined for something like four expected goals and had zero after 140 only minutes, uh, only, mean, only like four, uh, maybe four and a half. I think it was like combined only four. Are you sure about that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I've seen like Akshay, Akshay, offsides don't count as expected uh, goals. Yeah, sure. So you the offside literally was like offside six. by half a finger. Well, I mean, Lukaku is not offside. That was absurd. I'm sorry. That's I'm, a not, call. I'm not going to lie. Lukaku's goal <laughs> should, should, should have stood. But I yeah. also think I also think that Matip's goal should have stood. I think it was very harsh ruling that effort. So that remind me, that one was ruled out because of a, uh, a foul. That one before. was ruled out. No, no foul. Van no, no, no. Dyke was in an offside position and not, set a pick on Reese James, yeah, not, not allowing was, him to right, come out. Yeah, Reese James went down so easily. Reese James didn't really go down. He was just picked out of the play by an offside. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like a screen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was not even a – he had his left arm in front of him. Reese James it was soft. runs right through it. You do not see him struggling. You do not see Van Dyke holding him back. It's so, so like – it doesn't – Reese James running to cover a defender. Offside player in his way. That, like whether you like it or not, this has been called consistently. Out that Reece James. Yeah, no, no, no. But Alex Jeff brings up a good point. Yeah, it's a soft call, but at least they've been consistent with it. No, yeah, fine. It's, Arsenal it's, have been called for this a couple of times. I know Maguire yeah. had a pretty famous United, one on a yeah. um on like a, a worked corner that got yeah, up to then, the top then, of the box. Then you like, can say that they've been consistent with like the the marginal ridiculous offsides calls because we've seen plenty. I'm of- I'm honestly I'm okay with this call just because. They've they've set a rule. They're sticking to it, and the players need to like for the yeah, referees as sh- as shit as they are. The referees are applying the law consistently. That's all they can do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, you, you know, you could call it a shit rule, but as long as it's applied consistently, okay. I mean, then, it, it you, is, know, you can't have a problem with the way it's used. If we're talking, we're talking about the uh, the Lukaku goal, the offsides goal. That but, one, no, no, we're talking about the Van Dyke goal. No, no, we're talking about the Van Dyke goal. Okay, okay. The, the Lukaku that's a shit one. Rule. We all but, agree that's No, a but shit. what I'm saying is they've also been, but the point is that's also wrong because they, but they've been consistent on like marginal offsides calls, as we saw with Lukaku. Like those have been ruled out, but they still should not be ruled out. So you can say, yeah, the but the, our point is the consistency at least is there. At least yeah. when the shit rules are in place, they're applied. Consistently. Maybe not it's for not the like offsides. Maybe not for the offsides because I know Cavani scored yeah, 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 an yeah, offside goal. But like, Perry, specifically for the offside player interfering with the play. English yeah. referees have called that all year, and yeah. it's up to the players to know, hey, they're going to call that. I can't even make it marginal. It can't even be close. Okay. So and you could say the same. You could say the same thing about Lukaku making this run. Except for yeah. except for they're not consistent with that. They'll give Cavani a goal and rule out a Lacazette goal in the same weekend. Like like the referees are on their ass about what's onside and what's offside, for the most part. I mean, yeah. it's also ridiculous that the rule is still, even if it's a part of your body that you literally cannot use yeah, legally, yeah. is offside. Yes, you're still Akshay. Offside. That's absurd. Akshay, sorry, that's, that's not absurd. the rule. You're you're incredibly wrong, and that's not the rule. They well, drew the how line. How is offside then? Because they his arm was stretched out forward, and they drew the line to the end of his sleeve, on which you what would not call a handball. I have a question. What if you're wearing a long sleeve jersey? Then what? Listen, oh, then they that's got a still problem. Trying to shape your arm. Is so <laughs> I think they got a problem, don't they? I think they, but, I think no, they start guessing. Not, they start guessing dude, at where he the was offside by that much. I saw the replay. Like he was offside by a hat. 
No, he was off. This part of his arm right was here he was off. Offside. That much? I, that's not this part of his arm was arm like an inch ahead of Van Dyke's foot. Okay. The art, but arm. like then, okay, then I have less of a problem with that because that's yeah, fine. Then like he used he was offside by a part of his body. Not only that could have been used, but also that's way more than I thought he was offside by. So. Yeah, his his the the problem is his feet were behind Van Dyke. His head was behind Van Dyke. His chest was behind Van Dyke, yeah. or at least level. <laughs> yeah. Everything a good striker would normally use to score was onside, but yeah, his arm was not. So no, yeah, I mean it's 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 a dumb rule, and FIFA absolutely yeah. has to adjust. Like yeah, I mean I don't want to you know jinx anything. I'm it's, never uh, getting a goal like that ruled out in Champions League play. Yeah, and yeah, and, and now we true. get to we finished 120 minutes of both teams, you know, shooting blanks. Yeah. Uh, both teams with their vasectomies, and we get to uh, the exact opposite. Both teams being absolutely fucking clinical when and, it comes to PKs. And this is yeah. an experience that both of you can can relate to. Uh, throw back to the Europa League final last year, where everyone came out of the goalies. The, yep. the outfield players they all score their pens. One goalkeeper scores. A Spanish keeper fucks Misses. it up. And, miss and, it, and, and basically and, because he just treats it like a goal kick. Yeah. And, and here's instances. like a field goal kick. He watched the Super Bowl. He watched the Rams beat the... Uh... Kepos was far worse, though, I just want to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, De Gea at least made a save required, he, and it was an easy on, save. De Gea got it on target, I'm pretty sure. But like, De Gea still treated his like a goal kick, but he got it on target. So. But, but, but he put it on... All you have to do is ask the other keeper to make a save, and you've deflected like half the blame. Yeah. Half. Yeah. By just putting it on the frame. And... Uh, at the end of the day, Akshay is going to want to roast uh, Keppa for being brought in to to be the penalty saver. Keppa, I mean, it wasn't his decision. No, but he he got to spend while while Mendy was in goal. Keppa got to spend you know thirty minutes of extra time prepping on how to save penalties and, and knowing what direction each of the players is going to go. He's a better penalty saver over the course of his career by a fair margin. It listen when Tim Krul comes in for the Netherlands, no one thinks it's like ridiculous because he's a better penalty saver and he's giving your team a better because chance to Martin win. Martin Stecklenberg didn't have the match of his fucking career in that match. Napoli's Mendy had the best match of his fucking life. He kept Chelsea in that game. Pretty, by the way, Chelsea blew their chances. Liverpool missed their chances because Mendy was in the way. Can we just be clear about that? That's yeah, something yeah, we didn't no, mention. That, that's true. I mean, Mason Mount finishing. Was, Chelsea didn't force yeah. saves out of Allison. No, Liverpool I mean, it was, it was forced saves, saves out of Mendy. Goal. It was Kelleher and goal. But, um, oh, I don't know. No, Kelleher did make some saves, actually. Yeah, Let's yeah. not take credit away from him. Both goalkeepers I, but, were brilliant. Both goalkeepers well, what were mad right? at the matches and that, for their respective how, How's about that penalty uh, from Kelleher? I mean, that, that was a great penalty. Kelleher is probably the man of the match. Honestly, some of Liverpool's penalties. If not Mendy. The outplayers. The... I mean, I'm sorry, I have to get into this now. I I, I have to because it, it's for I, I'll 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 address Jeff's uh, what Jeff has said about Kepa's statistics when it comes to penalties. Um, we were taking, but it, well, let's uh, so let's talk. Uh, I blame Tuchel for this because I, it, it, as far as I know, he was the one who made the decision to bring uh, bring Kepa on for the penalty shootout. I don't understand why that decision was made. Mendy again, he'd had the game of his life. He's in the form of his life. He literally, I know it was a broken vote and a stupid one, but he was just voted the goalkeeper, the literal goalkeeper of the year in world soccer. Uh, why is he not being kept on for this penalty shootout? He's already made 11 saves. I don't care that he's not as good of a penalty shootout. Statistics mean nothing in soccer, especially not in a league cup final. Uh, playoffs, we know statistics are out the door. Anybody can fall. Anybody can falter. It doesn't matter how big you are. We saw that with Mbappe recently in the Euros. 
You really think France statistically would not have been favored to beat the hell out of Switzerland? Well, it didn't happen when happened. Switzerland beat them. Why? Because statistics don't matter in soccer, especially not in the playoffs. So I really don't understand why this decision was made. Uh, if it was one based on statistics and analytics, as it seems to have been, then I don't understand what era Tuchel is living in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't understand why a goalkeeper was brought on. Also, the effect that has on the players who are taking the spot kicks when their goalkeeper has kept them in the match for pretty much the entire 120 minutes before that, to then see that goalkeeper subbed off for another <laughs> keeper who definitely has not curried favor in the locker room recently. <laughs> and I also I wanted to talk about the, the effect of the players as well, the players on the pitch who are taking penalties, because you know much more than statistics matter in a penalty shootout, psychology matters. And yeah, okay, they're, they, you know it's probably not the first thing on their minds, these players who are taking penalties for Chelsea, that the goalkeeper has changed. Obviously, they're focused on scoring the penalty for themselves. Um, but it's still, you know, Chelsea's locker room is already in a bit of disarray because of this whole Lukaku situation, because of the way the season's gone in general, uh, because a lot of the, the players on Chelsea's roster are still not getting as much playing time as they personally would like to be getting. Uh, and to now have a, a goalkeeper subbed out when he's just, you know, kept your team in the match, kept you in the match for 120 plus minutes. Uh, and to have subbed in a guy in Kepa who really has not, you know, curried favor in the locker room of Chelsea. Uh, uh, not since Sarri was in charge. Uh, it, it's it's just a strange decision to me. It puzzles me. I don't understand. Uh, I, I really, I, despite the statistics, despite the analytics with Kepa, I still don't understand why Tuchel made it. Uh, let when me, was I, let me explain it to you. Your arguments here, but I, I I I kind of do lean more towards Jeff's side. Like we know Kepa's a good penalty saver. He didn't show it certainly. Let, um, let me ex- but... let me explain very easily why you make this decision. Akshay, imagine basketball uses the same after overtime rules as soccer does. At the end of a game, you go to a free throw shootout, right? Shaq has just scored 50 points in a game. This is already a flawed analogy in several ways, but I'll let you continue. Shaq Shaq has scored 50 points in this game. Would you sub him out for Curry for this free throw shootout? Yes or no? Would you sub him out for Curry? Okay, so free throws are different from penalties. Can Can we establish that? In the free in a free throw shootout, there's only one person on on the court at a time who's involved, right? The person who's shooting the free throw. There's no person who's trying to keep out the free throw. The nature of free throws is different. The The point is the point is is you put the best players in in the most important position. Analogy doesn't apply, but yeah, fine. You put the best players in in the most important position. Would you rather have a guy who, in his career, has saved two penalties out of thirty? Or a guy who saved seven penalties out of 24. That's um, about six or seven percent versus about 30 percent. How many of those are six percent versus about 30 percent? I'm taking the guy that's five times more likely to save a penalty. Penalty shootout is a different breed. Thank you, Alex. Uh, A penalty shootout is an entirely different situation and shouldn't even be considered the same as a penalty in a real time game. You're right. They're so different. In in both cases, the ball is placed 12 yards away from the goal. All the pressure in the world, every player on both sides. What are the stakes? What are the stakes I mean, in a real-time penalty lose. during a game versus lose. the stakes in a penalty shootout to decide the outcome of the match? Um, in a game like this, I promise you the stakes are about the same. If either <laughs> team had had a penalty, if either team had had a penalty, tell me it wouldn't have won the game. The stakes are exactly the same. It's no, a kick to win the game. Not if they had Jeff, if, if you are taking a penalty in the 20th minute of a cup final versus taking the fifth penalty in a shootout of that same final, do you not know everyone's taking the fifth penalty? Slightly different. Slightly okay. different mentality. 
All right, give me give me uh, Kai Havertz penalty in the Context 114th matters. minute of the Club World Cup final versus the the first guy taking a penalty in a shootout where four people miss on either team. Akshay, context matters. At the end of the day, it's a fucking penalty, and I want the guy who's better at saving penalties. Yeah, I mean, I I, I am. I, I want the guy. I, I side mostly with Jeff on this one, but I mean, I think I, I think it is Akshay. I, I mean, I don't like. This is one where like both of you make good points. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. By the way, I also, also want the guy myself. Who... I have input on this, but yeah, go ahead. I also want the guy who refuses to leave the pitch when penalties are happening. I want the guy who refuses to leave the pitch when penalties are are taking place, even if it's to fuck with his manager. And I think his manager should have been able to That's take him off. That's not what he refused but... to take the pitch. That's not what that that this wasn't like what he refused to come off the pitch for. He refused to come off the pitch when his manager tried to sub him, and he ended up. It wasn't in the around. case of a penalty. He he was injured. No, but I don't care. I want the guy who wants to be on the pitch in the big moments. Oh my God. Okay. Well, Listen, I mean, it, also, I, I just want to say, as a, Mendy as probably, a, if you would ask Mendy if he wanted to be in goal during the shootout. Yeah, also like, that. Yeah. <laughs> ask any goalkeeper if he wants to be in goal for a penalty shootout, he's going to say yes. But, but, but ask any goalkeeper if he wants to take a penalty during a penalty shootout. And he's going to say no. He's going to say no. He's going to say, unless, I've already failed 10 times. Adrian, unless his name is Adrian. No, 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 no. No, especially if he's a Spanish keeper. Taking the 11th penalty for your team as Manchester yeah. United. You're right. That, honestly, Liverpool that was the biggest mistake Chelsea made. That was the biggest mistake Chelsea made by a long shot. Kepa should have been like ninth or 10th. Don't make him go 11th because I think genuinely the impact of the other keeper scoring ahead of you matters. Imagine yeah, if Kepa. That I agree with. That's a good Imagine point. if Kepa yeah. was the. Imagine if Kepa was the 10th taker and he absolutely bags it and then Kelleher has to come in after Kepa's just scored on him. Yeah, that, that reverses it. And also, it almost takes away, like, I, I think there, there definitely is an advantage to shooting first on penalty shootout, because if you make it... Oh, yeah. There's, so, so famously, the advantage is shooting second in a penalty shootout as long as it doesn't go more than five rounds. Yeah. And the vast majority of penalty shootouts don't. But after five rounds, the advantage switched to the teams that goes first. The team that goes second and has the more information in the first five, huge advantage. But yeah. the team that went first when it's sudden death, yeah. Way bigger advantage. Yeah, no question. No yeah. question. I mean, I'll, I'll remove my point about the goal of your result because I think we've argued about this enough. But yeah, I just, you know, on, concluding this on a more positive note, this was a, a league final for the ages. And I think it's one that's going to be remembered for a long time. And it was yeah. a great match that both teams would have more than deserved to win. And yeah, congrats, Liverpool, for being the EFL Cup champions. Well played, Chelsea. What a match. And uh, yeah, high, high quality entertainment. I, I want to talk about like a couple of the penalties. Three to go. I want to talk about a couple of the penalties really quickly because huge moments for some of these players personally. Lukaku scoring his penalty, even if it squeaked uh, under yeah, Kelleher, yeah. a big we moment for him. That. Van Dyke's penalty, not because it's a big moment for him because you kind of expect him to score, but did you guys see where Kepa started on Van I, Dyke's penalty? Oh my God, bro. He's literally like, he's, he's like standing in the corner. And Van Dyke goes- This is a penalty and- specialist, according and to- And he was right. And he was right too. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah Van Dyke went that way. Telegraphing where he thought Virgil was Van Dyke was going to go. It was an unsafe, to be fair. Penalty not. specialist. And he was right, Akshay, and he was right in the direction he went. And Van he Dyke still just, couldn't keep it out. Because it Van Dyke hit an unsavable penalty. It was a good pen. Yo, because statistics and penalties do not matter. Akshay, Akshay, Akshay is an incredible boomer. He thinks the only way that stats should be measured are, are winners and losers, and nothing else is relevant. Akshay is delusional, and we have to leave it as is because we're leaving him in the 18th century. Akshay, your tactics are, are old. You're old. Quit being a boomer. 
Uh, how much? Which one? Who? Which one of you is older? I'm just curious. Uh, uh I think He's I am. By I... any of us, I think I'm older than you, Alex. Right? No, 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 no. Alex, you're older than me because you turned. You were 21 when I was in New York. That's right. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, the youngest here. Um, Listen, let me actually let me impart my wisdom upon you as the more knowledgeable and wiser <laughs> and older man. Uh-huh. Not as a person who, uh, you know, was introduced to soccer entirely by me, but you know, well, 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 I was playing. Aside. I was playing soccer before you were in this country, brother. I was How's playing soccer out of here? before you were born. That's not womb. true. I was born before you, and I have pictures of me as a baby with a little soccer ball in my crib. So I was actually playing before you were born. I don't know if Fabinho's penalty though. Just to change the topic. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was uh, uh, a lot of very clinically. Well, God, I want I wanted Fabinho's sources. penalty to get saved just because it was. I, I love watching <laughs> those those guys get there. Like watch the keeper just stand there and like catch it like they're they're playing catch. It, it's always. A couple hilarious. Of, a, a, Shout out Abdamala Lookman for on that <laughs> subject. A, a couple of Liverpool penalties like went straight down the middle, and the the penalty specialist for some reason couldn't uh, couldn't yeah just couldn't see that coming. Um, yeah, but yeah, for Liverpool, one down, three to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, or, it's realistically one down, two to go, but well, we don't have to talk about. Well, what, 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 oh, you mean you, okay? You, they're not winning the prem. I'm sorry, no, 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 Alex, no. Alex, Alex. United have, have already gone and won the Champions League, so we can just rule that one out. So it's so a two, you know, one down, two to go. That I think that's what Oxley's really alluding to is that, like, you know, based on the luck we had against Atleti, you can't expect us to lose. You know, any other I'd, games. I, like, I would actually rather United go through than Atleti because I'd rather play United than Atleti. I hate I, I that. That's legit. I despise <laughs> playing Atletico Madrid. I fucking hate it they just the way they sit back they kill you on the counter i think you have one more round of of not being able to play english opponents i don't know i think the quarterfinals are locked out are am i wrong no no, anyone anyone can get anyone in the quarterfinals onward okay so i well but in that case you guys are gonna go out to like ajax yeah, it, it'll be it. it'll be something fun. I, I actually they're not a team to underestimate. Um, I actually Liverpool that that tie would finish like nine nine. Nine nine. No 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 nine in it. Um, Shout out Brooklyn nine nine. Leeds, big news coming from their end from Ellen Road. They hired Ted Lasso. Uh, two, two, two pieces of big news. If you yeah. want to be Bielsa honest about it, I mean that had, Bielsa. I mean, I think that's the right move. I, we can it is. I, I, I almost want to say it comes a little prematurely. Um, oh, oh, you have to. You have to go. Oh, you have to maybe, go. Okay, maybe in the prema- maybe though. premature is the wrong word. Premature is the wrong word. I would say it comes. It, it given the the level of loyalty that the fans had for him and his his general standing at Leeds as a club, I think it's it was surprising how quickly the decision was made once consideration was made towards it. it I think this sense. has been coming. I think this has been coming for a while behind the scenes. I think that that internally they've told Bielsa like that they love you know what he's done getting the club back to the prem. But I, I promise you that like since November they they've been warning him that if the team slips into a relegation fight that they're going to need to go elsewhere because with the with the injuries that they've sustained it's really difficult to play their Bielsa ball and it's I mean it's shown they conceded what 14 in three games oh well, the de- the defense has never been there, but I think lo- losing Patrick Bamford for extended periods of this season has been a huge impact for sure 
Unless um, he was going to bag a hat trick against United, seven goals against Liverpool, and five more against Tottenham, I don't think it would have oh, helped. I mean, it, go, it goes it goes back further because I can see the three three against Everton and three against Aston Villa as well. Oh, uh, three yeah. against Everton should be a relic like that should get you relegated on its own. Yeah, <laughs> but look, look, like look, even even if Bielsa's playing style is taken out as a factor, they still don't have any defensive talent on that roster. I'm sorry, like they don't. Yeah, they don't, it, and it really sucks to lose Calvin Phillips, who helps yeah. shield that back line. It really sucks to lose Liam Cooper, who is the most talented defender they have, and genuinely a, a pretty class center defender uh, who, who could be making a move to a bigger club if Leeds end up going down. Yeah. Um, it uh, like that's a that's possibly an impact on England as well. By the way, that Calvin Phillips loss. I don't know how long he's out. Um, it's a well, head injury, right? Yeah, uh, he realistically, it's it's an impact on England, but they've already qualified and they're not looking at this summer. They're yeah. looking at this winter. He, yeah, he'll sure. be back in time. I mean, but he was fantastic at the Euros. Like he's he definitely was, England be, also have other options. I mean, uh, Declan, Rice, Declan Rice can play there. Henderson can play there. I think so. Phillips has more chemistry with the other midfielders, but Declan Rice is the next best option. Hender, sure. Henderson, I would worry about um, more than than Rice. I think for a World Cup, that's like as he as he gets older, as they go play in like 105 degree heat every four days. Um, yeah. Like it, you you have to like I think having you know, just being able to like take the three group stage games and go Rice one and three, Phillips two breaks up the the amount of work that the grittiest and most hardworking players on the field have to do. Uh, but but we will get to all of that, uh, you know, a long time from now in November. Well, let's uh, come back to Leeds because I think it's it's interesting, especially with, uh, with I, unless anybody has to say anything else about the Bielsa firing, I think we can transition into who they hired to replace him. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Pretty much. I mean, no, not no, no. It's, um, it's Jesse Marsh. For those Jesse of you who Marsh, don't know, it's Jesse Marsh. They've hired Jesse Marsh, and it's interesting. He has a far better repu- uh, reputation than the other American uh, coach that has been making some headwaves in the Premier League, uh, Chris Armas, who, as part of Ralph's staff, got called Ted Lasso by some of his players, and <laughs> and, and not in a kind way, in, in kind of an insulting way, by uh, I think an English press that at large wants two things to happen simultaneously. The United States to become a, a football-loving, you know, global lover of the game that spends a bunch of money and brings in a bunch of money, but at the same time, never quite gets good enough, uh, you know, and, and it's just always behind England. Uh, and unfortunately, you can't have it both ways. You can't have us, you know, with our 300 million people and our, you know, right. superpower of money and not end up with, with good players and good coaches come through. So it's like, ah, it's the, it's the classic, you know, USA, you know, it's the American who knows nothing, but some of us are starting to know something. I don't think Chris Armas starts to know something, but March is, is uh, part of a new crop of, of American coaches that are coming to England and, and finding mixed success. He had quite a good bit of success at Salzburg. He wasn't able to replicate it at a Leipzig team that admittedly had a big sell-off as he was arriving that made things a little bit difficult, they've, they've, but they've, they've improved though since he's, since he's left. Yeah. He, yeah. he definitely underperformed with them, but probably because now they defend better, which is kind of the key here. Yeah. They listen, uh, the, the key for leads. Yeah. That, that, why that would you bring not in code badly for leads that his previous sides have been very poor at defending. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's my main reason why uh, I, at don't, least we know I don't understand this hire. Uh, 
It, Marsh is pretty, honestly, he's pretty similar to Bielsa in the way I, that he coaches. I wonder if and... that's it. I, I, it's going to be slightly different because they're not going to play the same level of man coverage Bielsa ball. But I, I wonder if that's genuinely the point is to bring in a manager that while he's not going to play exactly the same style of defense, it's going to be roughly the same for the players. It's going to be the same uh, mentality approaching games, which is outscore people, not out defend people. Sure, like, but then I, their issues remain. Their issues remain, but as long as they stop playing man coverage on people, which has been proven not to work in the Prem, they'll do a little better. A little better, but, like, is it enough? Like, because it's not like they're – even in the the first season they came to the Prem where they were kind of played the role of – again, I always use Wolves as an analogy for this because of how stellar their first season was. But um, Leeds come in and they kind of crash the party and they finish top 10 when nobody really expected them to, but – even then, even in that season, their defensive issues were really glaring and were holding them back very tangibly and noticeably. And this season, that's just played out in even greater effect. And now, since they can't score goals, it's reflecting in their position in the table. And I just, I don't understand how Marsh is going to change that because he's not a defensive-minded coach. Not in he any doesn't, he doesn't have to be a defensive-minded coach. They're yes, playing. He, but, no, but he they, doesn't. No, he doesn't. Akshay, Akshay, I could go in there and get them to play better defense by, by telling them the simplest thing in the world. Stop trying to man cover central midfielders, strikers, wingers, and everyone in between. Jeff, but then it just goes back to the point of they don't have any defensive talent on that roster. Their defenders are not even like most of their their defenders defenders are better. Their defenders are better simply by playing in a better system. And it's not, it's not going to be that much of a better system. Okay, yeah, maybe but it's they, going to maybe be they three, maybe they lose three 0 at Liverpool and two 0 at Spurs instead of six 0 and four 0. Yeah. That is that is literally twice as good a system. Yeah, oh, you're on. still losing games, dog. Come on. Yeah, but if, if you if you make the system twice as good, it doesn't matter that they're going to lose to Liverpool and Tottenham and United and get blown out. What matters is how they play against Everton and Burnley and Watford. And if their defense gives up one goal instead of three to Everton, now we're talking about a game they can win. If they're, you know, if they give up one instead of two to Burnley, like here's the kinds of things that they can do by just getting a little bit better on defense. They have more talent than the teams below them in the table right now. Maybe bar Everton, who are just a rudderless ship, but have some decent players. But they have more talent than Burnley, even with the injuries. They have more talent than Watford. They have more talent than Norwich. They don't need a generational coach. They just need to stop playing man defense. It was a gimmick that didn't work. And they need to settle in and just play good defense. It doesn't even have to be great defense. Just bang average defense would do with the level of players they have. I think one advantage Marsh does have is he's coming from the Bundesliga, so he definitely has the pace element down. He's he's going to be prepared for the pace of the Premier League. He's going to be prepared for that you know high speed, high level of play. Um, but I just I don't I don't understand this higher still. I don't I don't understand how this is supposed to improve Leeds. Like yeah, fine, they might you know have a better playing style that isn't as gimmicky, that isn't as you know tried and 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 and, and worn failed. Out. <laughs> yeah, and failed. <laughs> but but it's just it, 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 if the offensive talent is still injured, Bamford's still out. I, I don't know for how long, but I think for the foreseeable future, right? Calvin Phillips now out. Uh, you know, Liam Cooper still out. If, if Cooper, Cooper comes back and Phillips comes back before the end of the year, then they have plenty of talent to stay up. I don't know, but but, here, here, but how here. soon before the end of the year? I mean, that's the question. Oh, right? I think, we don't even know how long Phillips is out yet. Not only I think we're, we're also missing out. Like I think in a relegation battle, right? When you have a team um, that changes your manager, gets a manager to come in for the last, you know, 10 to 12, 10 to 12 games, the, the most successful managers have just been very, very simple. Sit back, yeah. 
A Fetz also put out, Marsh has never been in a situation like this in his managerial You know, know, play, you know, get get the job done. Does Marsh really know how to have a team grind out results? Exactly. This is a guy that has never been in a situation where his club is under threat. Okay? Like, Leipzig may not have, you know, Leipzig may have had their failures and may have, you know, dropped out of challenging for the Bundesliga title, I think, in the later years. But it's not like Leipzig was ever under threat of being relegated. This is a very new situation for a coach who has never been in the Premier League before, has never dealt with English management groups, which are notoriously difficult, much more difficult to deal with. He's not been in this situation. And again, we've already brought up that he's not a defensive-minded coach, which is the main issue Leeds has. You guys think you guys think Leeds is going down? End of the day, does this does this hire mean Leeds yes. is going down? I think yeah. I think I, I don't think it's a guarantee because the teams underneath them have been, you know, are in just as shitty of a situation, uh, aside from Newcastle. I, I don't know if Newcastle is still below Leeds, but uh Leeds are in no, uh, this if anything, Newcastle this increases Leeds' there. chances of going down. Yeah, actually, actually, it's not about Newcastle. It's it's a okay, combination yeah. of of Burnley, yeah. Watford, Norwich, and Everton below them. I, I okay, you, yeah. I, I so think Leeds. I think Leeds will survive by a hair, by a hair. We also need to talk about something that has now reared its head two years in a row, which is a team that that finished in the top half after being promoted with a gimmicky style has really struggled and has been exposed mm-hmm. in their second year. Leeds' gimmicky style was a man coverage, high pressing. Um, and, but really the dominant thing is sticking to a tight man marking in the midfield that just didn't work. But it was gimmicky and it got them some results because teams weren't used to playing against it. Teams figured out how to play against it. It messed them up. And I'm, I'm alluding to Sheffield United who had their weird 3-5-2 that really sat deep and, and dared you to beat them. And had them up into you know Champions League contention, right. legitimately Champions yeah. League contention in like February of their debut year, and then immediately were just buried as the worst team in the league because teams figured out how to attack their weaknesses. Teams figured out how to pull their center backs wide and get in those channels. And the Premier League is too brutal for you to stick to a gimmick for more than one year in a row. If yeah. if Leeds were able to transition off of their gimmick. And, and play more Premier League, fo- play just more sound football with Bielsa's style, but just generally more sound football, they might have found enough success to stay up. And I think the point is that they have enough talent and Marsh isn't going to hinder them to the point where I think they'll, they'll comfortably stay up. I actually would feel pretty good in saying that the three teams in the, in the bottom are the three teams that will stay in the bottom right now. And those are in order, uh, in order for 20th to 18th. That are not, uh, Norwich, yeah, Watford, Burnley. Norwich, Watford, Burnley. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I think we can, I mean. We can safely say, okay, nobody thinks I, I think Norwich we can safely say Norwich and Watford. <laughs> I, Norwich, and Norwich and Watford are I going down. I think yeah. like, sure, but yeah. to go down. Again, I think we can survive by, by, by a hair, but. It's, it's close. Certainly, it's, just, it, they know that they're so experienced in these situations. And I think, I, I think the, you know. Uh, the, this is, look, this is the biggest the test of Sean Dyche's career for sure. But you're right. The experience, is- the, the talent of the team is only as good as the manager who can like actually utilize it, right? And, and also, who are you backing to to get the most out of their squad? Would you back a Sean Dyche with the mediocre? I mean, those sides of mediocre. A Sean Dyche who has been in the Premier League, exactly. pretty much fighting for his life every season for the past decade, at least. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know. Actually, you know experience. I'm, I'm, I'm but the Oxide, do managers play the game? No, they do, don't. Do managers, no, they, they don't. They don't lace up their cleats and get out there and play. I don't okay. I don't understand you. At the end of the day, Burnley Burnley don't have the talent to stay up. And as great as their manager is, 
I disagree. You, I, you I, think that Veghorst is a great okay, talent. Okay, Veghorst is a joke. Is still solid. Veghorst okay. is a joke. Oh my god! Come on now. Oh, okay, He's but a joke. It, 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 doesn't he have like three goals and two appearances so far? <laughs> okay, a joke. Leicester didn't have the talent to win the league. I mean, that's the first comparison that comes to mind. Maybe not. Yeah, and, yeah. Talent. Let's let's. Yeah, that's a good point. Veghorst was losing aerial battles to Victor Lindelof. Akshay. Akshay, I know how much you hate the man. Veghorst was consistently losing aerial challenges to Victor Lindelof. How talented is he really? By the end of the Victor game, Lindelof he was afraid to even air, go for headers. Oh, okay. So, so right. But yeah, well, that's that's embarrassing. Don't get me wrong. Like Veghorst should still be winning that physically and on paper. But yeah, I, th- I don't think Lindelof is that bad. I, I think I think we survived <laughs> by a hair. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they're they're definitely of those of those of those. Let's say five teams. If you want to include Everton, I don't think Everton are going down. I if actually, you want to include Everton in that, I'd say Leeds are. You know. Leeds are the least likely to, to be relegated of those five, but it, I, want I, mean, to include, I want to include a team that started off their Premier League campaign with a big win at Arsenal on a Friday night. Brentford have played them, have played one more game than anyone else in that category. 27 uh, compared to the 26 of Leeds, Watford and Norwich and the 24 of Everton and Burnley and Brentford having one point from their last five games are only at 24 points right now are I mean, realistically, do you expect Burnley to get three points from three matches? Yeah, probably. Do yes. you expect Everton to get two points from three matches? Probably. Leeds, all they need is a draw to go level with uh, Brentford. And suddenly Brentford drop into 18th. Like for uh, for the great start that they had, it's gone to shit very quickly, very yes. recently. And Because the scoring, I, the shooting boost went cold. I think that's the issue for them. And... and whew, I mean, well, yeah, among, among others, but you know, the shooting boots going, that was, that was largely what was the back of their success was the, the 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 Ivan Tony and the other strikers really yeah. going off, but yeah. And you want to talk about teams having their seasons defined in March, the big European teams all have their seasons absolutely defined for them in March. Brentford have their season defined for them in March. They just lost to Newcastle. They now have on their, on their schedule, a trip to Norwich and Burnley at home as their next two games. After oh that, after that, it's a brutal gauntlet um, that includes Chelsea, West Ham, and Tottenham in April, as well as Watford. Well, then we, they get. We know, we know they're going to be Tottenham. I'm calling it right now. Chel- sorry. So Chelsea, then who? Then Tottenham. So so they have Norwich, Brentford, Leicester f- for the rest of March. Wait wait wait, and- wait 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 Norwich, Brentford, Leicester. Sorry, Norwich, Burnley, Leicester. Yeah yeah. Chelsea, West Ham, Watford, Tottenham, United get them to April 30th. That's ridiculous to me that they end up having to place only teams that they're either in relegation contact with or teams that are like in the top of the table fighting for European spots. Oh, and Leicester gets tossed in there. But like, other they're than that, Leicester. <laughs> yeah. they could probably beat Leicester, but like, I mean, those huge, first three games are all winnable. Um, a huge six pointer against Norwich. If they, if they drop yeah. that and Norwich gets to make up three points on them, if they drop it and Burnley gets to make up three points on them. And then, you know, to have, Chelsea, West Ham, Tottenham, and United still to play. And then to finish your season on on Championship Sunday with Leeds, that could be that could be a win winner stays up game. That could be a yeah, that that could be a classic. That could be a relegation oh, and, battle. Oh my goodness. Uh, they get Everton the week before. They get Everton oh and Leeds to finish their season. <laughs> they crazy. they could, regardless of what happens, um against yeah. no, against Norwich and against Burnley, their season could be decided by those two games alone. 
the battle across the table this year is just spectacular in the prem like the and it's pretty much a one horse race for the trophy but like everything else is oh so God, up for grabs it's not it's a one horse race homie it, you're right it's a no horse race <laughs> awarded already oh okay yeah so if liverpool win their game sorry <laughs> sorry liverpool six points back from the team that I uh, basically cannot hand, lose with the game in hand, a Liverpool in red hot form with the game in hand. Okay, City yeah, are, in perpetual the red hot. Form. If there's a three point gap, there's not a title race. All right, all right, fine, fine, fine. There is a two horse title race, but Thank nobody's you. really paying attention to it. <laughs> oh, we're, all right. Well, outside Barry, of Liverpool and Man City, we're at, uh, the point right. is look, the, the, the Premier League has been very entertaining yeah. this year. That's the conclusion. Yeah. Back, <laughs> back to the spiciness that is the end of the season, because I, I want to look up what Championship Sunday has in store for us, just because I thought it would be interesting. Uh, Norwich have to play Tottenham, um, which is unfortunate for them. So, uh, all right. Um, obviously, Leeds and, uh, and Brentford get their matchup, but... I mean, but but it also it also depends on like you know man. Let, let's just say Norwich with Tottenham. It depends on if Tottenham know whether or not they're going to get a top four finish. If if, it, we, if that answer is clear and Tottenham don't have an incentive to play, then then it becomes winnable for Norwich. Um, maybe uh, we for Chelsea, right? Yeah, so. obviously Newcastle has kind of evaded this conversation. But if they slip on form a little bit and fade back down into the into the relegation battle, they get Burnley. That's a that's that's a spicy meatball. Um, Arsenal Everton as well. I mean, it's not you wouldn't call it a relegation six pointer, but but it's a tough match for Everton to finish their season. Exactly, especially if and it's very possible you know the top four race still still is not over. Um, and you know again, just judging by how close the season has been, I expect it won't down, be. It could go down to the final day at multiple ends of the table, and I think that and, and if Chelsea play. fade into that conversation, if Chelsea drop into that that battle for fourth. Uh, they might still have something to play for against Watford. They would. I, I don't think they're going to drop. I, I mean, I, I think by by the by the final day of the season, like they will be comfortably in the top four. But uh, let's let's see. Especially, um, sorry, the week before also gives some incredible matches for that that kind of final battle um, because Chelsea. I United. mean, United, Chelsea, West Ham, Man City, West Ham, Man City, Brentford, Everton, huge game potentially. Um, Burnley have to go to Spurs, Watford, winnable game against Leicester. Things could get very interesting as we as we wrap up this season. Very, very interesting. And I'm I'm just looking forward to it because I don't know what the Premier League script writers have up for us, but I'm sure it'll be something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot a lot of excitement to come. I'm also, I mean, it's weird. As a Liverpool fan, you know, I, I've I've made the argument that we're at the title race, and I've insisted that we are. Um, but I'm also really excited for for what the Champions League has to offer as well, um, because you know it looks like what w- what I would predict uh, would be PSG, Bayern. Um, I would at this point say United, Chelsea. I think Juventus do beat Villarreal, although that's kind of a toss up. Liverpool, Ajax. And then who am I forgetting here? Um, there's one more team. And Man City. Uh, uh, yeah, toss up. Um, but no, in all seriousness, Man City. And that that's going to be exciting as well. Um, I, we're, we're really at a point where I, I don't expect, obviously, Villarreal can still surprise. And um, we shouldn't rule out that uh, Salzburg can still surprise. Uh, I, I don't expect them to, but like... At the Allianz. Yeah. If they have the home leg for a second... That would be the upset of the decade. 
Listen, it, it listen, it would be an incredible upset, but it's not like we haven't seen like Juve go out to like Portuguese teams or who are just far worse than them or like you know, we we see random. Not Bayern, though. I don't think that's comparable, though. No, but we see Porto random shit like... happen in the Champions League. I'm just saying, don't I mean, don't make it a hundred, make it a 99, percent but don't make it's it a hundred. Ninety nine point. I mean, having said like that, it's... Sheriff did go to Real Madrid and win. Exactly. It's and I would say, but I again, I'd say the same thing. Real Madrid aren't Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah, but Sheriff, Bayern Munich, so Bayern like... Munich are the only team. Bayern Munich are so good they 10, went to Salzburg years. and drew. Sheriff are better than Salzburg, though. Sorry, sorry. Sal- Salzburg are better, better than Salzburg. Actually, actually, Bayern are so good, they went to Sheriff and Drew in a huge Champions League knockout game. Sure. They've drawn – they've had draws and pa- – unexpected draws in past years in Champions League playoffs, and they always come out on top. So, so actually, actually, they've always come out on top, right? They're like three-time reigning Champions League winners, right? Because they always come out on top? No? Yeah. They usually lose when it comes down to it? Every team usually loses. That's yeah, how, I mean, that's exactly. How, that's that's so, how so the odds work in the Champions League. Exactly. So hang tight. Like, it's, it's, I'm not saying there's not a chance, but I'm saying that Bayern Munich are on another level than Real Madrid or uh, what was the other team we mentioned that got upset? Um, Juventus. Uh, they're, they're, Bayern is on another level from those teams entirely. Juventus are not favored to win the Champions League by default at the start of the new Champions League season. Uh, Real Madrid are not favored to win the Champions League by default, or they haven't since Ronaldo left. Uh, yeah, this season they can the do Champions. it. I, I do this it. season Real Madrid could do it, but I'm saying what I'm saying is Bayern is on another level that actually no team is on. If you want to talk about the Champions League specifically, where every year currently they are favored to win the Champions League by default because they're Bayern Munich. I don't think I don't I don't think they were the favorites coming in. I, th- I think this year? Who was I that? think I think City, PSG, and Liverpool all had close odds. You favor City to win the Champions League, then. I mean, <laughs> okay, I mean, but, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I mean, they're, they're uh, but I, I think my point about Bayern is like they're they're just they're just that that that's the team they are right now. They're like City or Liverpool. They're just on another level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll be discussing that in a lot more depth um, next week uh, with the, I believe, uh, Liverpool Inter's next week. Um, let me pull yeah, I was going to say. So Liverpool Inter is next week. What's the other one? Is it also um, Bayern Salzburg next week? Real Madrid. Oh, there's four. There's four. Well, yeah. so uh, we will be discussing that all in depth. But uh, do we want to touch? Do we want to touch briefly on Arsenal Wolves? I think we already talked about it earlier, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a bad loss for Wolves. Um, huge win for Arsenal. Yeah, you know, that's doesn't uh, it definitely definitely doesn't eliminate Wolves from the the race for the for European I, football. I, I for, sure. uh, for European football, it doesn't eliminate only because the European spots go down to like eight for the Conference League. For but Champions it, League, they're probably for Champions done. League. I think it'll yeah. eliminate them. But I mean, League, their goal. I, th- I don't think their goal was Champions League to begin it's with. It's a so. four horse race for two spots left in the Champions League. It's the it's the three teams in London and United fighting for two spots, and everyone else is fighting for a Europa League spot. Are we talking about enough? If it's champ, if it's Champions League specifically, it's United, West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham fighting for that. Yeah, that's why you said the three teams. No, 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 no. The three teams in London are Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham, and there are two spots available. Okay, yeah, I don't don't think Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea. I think 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 Chelsea are more like really. Yes, I think West Ham are are completely gone. Are you serious? I don't think so, especially not after they just won a really well fought game against. uh, Was it? Do you uh, do you expect I, Chelsea to be liking. to be better than United, Tottenham, and Arsenal for the rest of the year? From here on out, for the rest of the year, they have to be better than all three of those teams. West Ham. Yeah. Do you expect West Ham to be better they can than all three? Easily be better teams? than Tottenham. That's for sure. <laughs> Chelsea have okay, been okay, consistent but, enough that I could see it. Not Arsenal, but uh, the other from two. right now, from right now, yeah. But the other two gets you into sixth. Congrats. I don't like, think it's better than Arsenal. I, I I can kind of see them being better than United. Uh, Akshay, right now you oh, have you have to put five bucks. Who gets more points from now until the end of the year? 
Tottenham or West Ham? Uh, West Ham. Okay, that, see, that's where we disagree. Sure. Yeah, we can. Uh, I think West Ham can do it. I think they're a better team than Tottenham right now. I, I, I think Tottenham will turn it around. I mean, I, I yeah. Well, we know what you think, Mister Conte, yeah. <laughs> nibbling on his tiny little two-inch penis. Mm. Oh no! Come on, he's a passionate Italian man. Give yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, I I would expect Tottenham to turn it around. But um, but with that, this is this is probably the biggest test of Antonio Conte's career. I think we should say yeah. that. Yeah, one, one, and it's a it's a test he'll fail. I don't know. If, I don't know if he, I don't I know agree. if he knew what he, was, what he was if he really knew what he was walking into. But but we will we will find out how. This I mean, happens. no, no, he probably did because he's managed Chelsea before, so he's he knows what managing. Yeah, but Chelsea, is Chelsea like. and Tottenham. I mean, come on, bro. Really? Different ownership groups for sure. Different ownership yeah. groups, but That's... but similar problems with. Uh, so, and, with... And, and the Premier League politics remain regardless of what club you're managing. So. Well, another exciting week of European football still to come, and we will be discussing it all next monday but until then i am alex purry alongside akshay wadwani and jeff azahauser thank you for tuning in and you will hear from us next week